0: Hello there and welcome to another Careers in Health podcast. My name is Todd Fraser and with me today is cardiologist Christian Hamilton-Craig. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Todd. Christian, where did your initial interest in cardiology come from?
1: Um, well, the, the obvious answer to that is that my dad is a, a cholesterol uh, expert, so I had some exposure to it uh, as a younger age. But... And, you know, if I examined my psyche, that must have been relatively implanted. But it wasn't actually my career choice throughout high school. I was intending to practise law, Um, won a law scholarship to university and then went and did an internship at a a big law firm and realised that the culture wasn't what I wanted it to be like and it was conservative and yet at the same time a bit hierarchical and and it just didn't suit my personality. So I took a year out actually and, and went and studied in France and just thought about things for a while and th- I've done that periodically throughout my career, take time out, step yeah. away and and contemplate and try and make a, a better choice yeah. so I went back into med school and I, I did an um, undergraduate degree at University of Adelaide which is the old six year course and mm-hmm. it was actually really good fun yeah. um, Adelaide Uni was great because it's well situated next to the um, the uh, the uh, city CBD and you could um have fun and skive off classes if you wanted to and piss <laughs> off to the pub and it was it was grand yeah uh but after that um I went into physician training moved to St Vincent's in Sydney which was a really good physician training program that was very um well supported and it's an unusual hospital because that that's a highly funded highly overstaffed institution which is the opposite of most yeah so it gave you lots of support yeah uh, and, and that's where I got more exposed to cardiology practice, okay. and I enjoyed the cardiologists there. And um, I was toying with the respiratory medicine a bit, but I wasn't great with sputum, happy with blood, so I went that way.
0: What was it about cardiology that appealed?
1: Uh, look, I think two things. Um, one is the large evidence base, and I've always been academically minded. Uh, mm. having done, I did my honours degree uh, after fourth year medicine. I took a year out and went to Cambridge and studied a thesis there on risk assessment in, in cardiovascular medicine, so yep. I obviously had that in mind, and yep. that's actually continued throughout my career. Um, but uh, so a large evidence base, uh, the clinical practice which is fairly um, decisive and relatively clean, if you like. There's, I mean, for example, there's not much cancer in cardiology, yep. uh, heart failure, ACS, uh, and other stuff. Uh, it it is good but but there's a pointy end to cardiology which is the interventional and 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 i didn't feel that was a, a good match for my personality Yeah. so i went into imaging and diagnostics which yep. has worked well
0: yeah so tell us what a cardiologist does on a day-to-day basis
1: well as a diagnostic cardiologist i spend a proportion of my time in clinic uh seeing newer uh, patients or or reviews and like any physician, but primarily on on diagnostics, so chest pain, shortness of breath, palpitations, heart failure, and my particular interests of cholesterol and lipid metabolism disorders, Mm -hmm. uh, which I uh, enjoy, uh, and some sports cardiology as well. And then a proportion of your time testing, so that's uh, echo reporting sessions, stress echo uh, supervision, and then my particular subspecialty is cardiac CT and cardiac MRI, which I do a day a week down at the big teaching hospital in Brisbane, yeah. Yeah. and that's hard to do, harder to do in private because of the overheads. Yeah. So it's a fairly uh, varied uh, occupation, so you know, you've got one, a couple of clinics, a few reporting sessions, a few um, stress sessions, a few radiology sessions, it's very mixed and it keeps it very interesting from yeah. week to week, so uh, I think uh, I'm lucky in that respect.
0: Now you've had a couple of phases to your career, haven't yeah. you? So at the moment you're in private practice. Can you describe how that's what that's like and how it's different from what you've done in the past?
1: Yeah. So if I could chronologically, I came back from overseas. Well, I should, should I sort of talk about the training. I wanted I wanted to be an academic cardiologist, yeah. and so I extended myself in post fellowship training a fair bit by mm-hmm. doing a, a, a local fellowship in echo and then a secondary fellowship in radiology. And then two overseas fellowships in radiology and imaging yep. in Europe and America came back with a PhD in, in cardiology and imaging. So I really did want to be at the best of the best in the field. Yep. But when I came back, I actually went into part-time private practice because there was no jobs in public, as people often find, and, uh, and worked for a large uh, group. Which, which worked out well uh, for a few years. And, uh, and then I shifted back into more academic cardiology with some research grants yeah. and working in the public hospital system. And so overall, I think that sort of was sort of a decade of that kind of work in a high-volume quaternary cardiology uh, system. Uh, but uh, then, you know, it really struck me that I hadn't seen my kids much. I had been working too hard I was stretched and stressed and and my energy levels were low. Mm. And that coincided at the same time as my wife proposing to move to a regional area yeah. and the kids hadn't started high school yet. So everything kind of lined up and we said, well, either we do this now or we can't until both kids have finished high school and yeah. that could be in 10 years' time. Yeah. Uh, and so we took the plunge and, and moved up to Sunshine Coast and set up my own practice which has been a different experience now i think where that has worked for me is i all through my public medicine i still had a day a week in private of my own room so mm. I, i'd built up the skills of um running a practice of working with gps and referral base and and also learning how not to push myself too hard so i could still you know have enough time for myself and and be happy yeah and so I was able to, to, to bring that up to my new practice, which um, the moment I do uh, a couple of days consulting, I still do one day down at the big teaching hospital in reporting, radiology and echo, and then uh, a stress list. So it's a similar mix, but it's more for myself rather than working for yeah.
0: someone else. What's the business of running uh, practice like? So That's another unique set of skills, isn't it? Yeah, right. look,
1: no one talks about that much. Yeah, right. And I've worked in um, probably three or four different models of private practice. Uh, and if you were to, there's sort of, I guess, three main options. There's, there's the lone wolf, which is working for yourself, usually hiring some sessional rooms from the hospital. So basically, you're trying to keep your overheads under control mm. uh, and um, build up a referral base so that you've got, you can practice the way you want to practice. For example, I can spend an hour with a new patient. No yeah. one's rushing me out of the room. Yeah. I can, I can yeah. choose how long I want to spend. But then you charge proportionally.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so that, that's working for yourself. But then you've got to have all the back-end practice software, dictation software, um, private billing systems, someone to do your private billings and your, and your inpatients, someone to process all your echo fees, someone to check all the Medicare things that have been rejected because the wrong item numbers have gone <laughs> through. And So there's a lot of back-end yeah. stuff. And until your practice reaches a certain size, you probably can't afford to employ someone as an employer. Yep. And that's the next phase, which is option two, working for a major practice, whether that's yours or someone else's. And that's either a group practice where you've got a, a sort of a corporate or a um, pyramid-type firm structure where you've got partners at the top of the firm who own all the equipment and infrastructure, they rent it to you, usually for about 50% gross billings. Yeah. So you pay 50% to the partners, then you pay 50% to the tax man, so you don't get a lot <laughs> at the end of it. And those that model as an associate in those large practices, you have to work pretty hard to get anywhere. Yeah, right. uh, and to climb to the top and get to partnership is not always straightforward. Mm. There are variations on that. There are a couple of corporatized. Yep. cardiology practices which actually are um, large uh, salary paying practices which which will it's almost like working for a public hospital yeah. they'll, they'll sell you salary you a decent salary they'll give you a varied income yep. they'll a, a good um, practice they'll they'll pay for all the infrastructure they'll take all the costs and you just work for them yep. and, and that's a slightly different yeah, okay. model cool uh, variety isn't there yeah okay. so there, there is and I think cardiology the, the cardiology, radiation oncology, radiology, and pathology are the two, or the four, sorry, large groups that have been able to be corporatized to some degree yep. because of some passivity around um, uh, pooling of work from multiple sites. Like in yep. radiology, you can have one radiologist reporting from half yep. the state. Yeah. You know, so then you can have economies of scale. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of medicine can't do that because it's you and the patient and you build one patient at a time, and you haven't got other income streams. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, You mentioned earlier that your key interests are in diagnostics and imaging. Mm -hmm. Um, What other paths can you follow if you become a cardiologist?
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess, again, um, a full-time clinician, uh, clinician academic, and then a full-time academic cardiologist, although there's not many of them. Mm -hmm. They do exist. Uh, so the clinician is what I've sort of described with where you're doing clinical work most of the time, although that can be as varied as you like. Yep. Classic interventional cardiologist might have a couple of uh, cath lab sessions a week, yep. uh, do some on call, do some consulting, and, and some reporting um, to mix it up. Uh, whereas your your public hospital clinical academic, you'd be doing um, working for a cardiology unit, um, doing some clinics, uh, whatever other work in the hospital, teaching. Administration and then maybe some uh, academic time supported by the university or by a practitioner grant, such as uh, from the Heart Foundation or the NHMRC. But they're short-term grants, and so you have to yeah. be competitive in the next round. And that's a hard life. And I know a few academic cardiologists who have made it successful, but but it's tough. Um, and there's then there's a couple of full-time academics. Uh, but they're with the big teaching hospitals and yep. they're often employed part time by the university or yep. m- fractionally by the university. And they have uh, academic loads, PhD students, and that whole area. And I've only recently found out that some universities allow you, see, in Queensland, you can, if you're 0.5 with the university, you're 0.5 with yes. the hospital, which makes a full time job. But yep. there's some of the universities that will pay you a full time job and you can still be full-time or just about at the clinical hospital. Sounds and, like a nice balance to have. Well, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> but so, so there's models within models and it's actually quite variable.
0: Yeah, indeed. <laughs> now, um, you've been in the game for a little while now. How do you keep yourself interested in what you do? What floats your boat, as it were?
1: It's changed over the years, Todd. I think that's what has surprised me. Uh, And some of that's been a bit of introspection and taking the time to look at myself and what motivates me. Initially, I was really keen and really hungry to be a hardcore academic and publish as much as I could and win the research grants. And I had a very active academic career, which has continued on. Uh, But I've recognised that that to sustain that's very difficult. Mm. I think unless you've won a big practitioner fellowship, what I mean by that is... For example, there were um, in New South Wales and Queensland large awards which would give you five years of backfilling half your salary so that the department could employ a person to run your clinical load and relieve you to do your research and the government would pay for it. Those were stopped for a while. I think they've just been reintroduced. But people that got those were able to be extremely effective uh, and still provide the services to the department with, with backfill. Whereas without that, you know, trying to do academics in your own time wore me down mm. because I didn't have any funded yep. academic time. So I was full time clinical, mm. but still doing a half time academic, but no funding for it. That's that w- tough. That w- wasn't a great mix. Yeah. And, and so then, you know, then that decision point came when the kids were at the stage where I recognised I hadn't seen them, probably wasn't being the father I wanted to be. Uh, or the husband and not entirely happy in myself. Like I was stressed and, and annoyed and, mm. and anxious and there were a couple of key sort of turning points which made me reflect on that. And so then I've switched into a, uh, a working for my, mainly working for myself but I still maintain... Your question was about what floats your boat and I still maintain fairly national and international... Involvement in large peak bodies, like the, the peak body for cardiac MRI is the Society of Cardiovascular Magnetic Resonance. I'm the national chairman for the credentialing committee uh, on behalf of the Cardiac Society and the College of Radiologists. Yeah. And that that's a, uh, again, an unfunded in my own time thing, but it keeps you sharp because you have to be across it. Yeah. Um, so you have to have a carrot for yourself and you have to have a little bit of a whip sometimes. Yeah. Um and uh, other sort of uh, committees, although I've tried to be careful now not to overcommit in the way that I used to, yeah. say yes to everything, and then tie myself up in knots.
0: Was it hard to turn your back on where you thought your career was going?
1: Yeah, yeah, look, I think it was. I think there's a certain amount of ego tied up in that, and mm. you have to work out whether you're able to let that go. Yeah. Um, and there was some discomfort in that and some uncertainty.
0: Yeah.
1: But... I have found out... and A friend of mine a while ago when I was making it, he said, well, you'll find out in five years' time. <laughs> but he was right. In five years on now, or, or a little bit less, but I'm, I'm in a better place. Yeah. Uh, and which means I'm able to offer my patients more of myself in the clinics. And um, who knows what will happen in five years' time from now. But I think for me it's been the right choice.
0: What irritates you about cardiology as a specialty? Are there things that you don't like
1: about it yes um a couple of things uh in the private world even though we joke about you know people putting stents in because they can it actually does happen and so you know people that are actually it it, again it's checking in with your motivation people that are motivated by trying to drive the best return out of each patient so when they see a new patient they work out out of this patient i'll get 1.5 echoes half a cath you know, three-halter hol- on average. Wow. And, and, you know, this is how things are calculated in a business.
0: Yeah.
1: I find that a little bit hard to take. Yep. And I, I prefer to see each patient on their own merit and just do what's right for them, which is slightly public hospital yep. mentality. But I think it's what I got into medicine for. So the business side of it is is slightly irritating. And I guess on that point, working for those larger corporate groups which take that all away from you and you just you do your thing... There's an advantage there because you get a bit of both in that and they just take care of that for you.
0: Yeah.
1: But in the, in the end of the day, that's still a business. Uh, so I think people practising incorrectly just for financial gain is a minority, I have to say, but that irritates me and that was the question. Yeah. Uh, what irritates me about the actual job? The patients don't. I like patients. I think that's important. If you don't like patients, you should just go and do radiology or anaesthetics. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but, um, you know, you got to... A mentor of mine said to me, choose a subspecialty that suits your personality.
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought about that for a long time. What does he mean? What is my personality? Then you've got to think about that. And Okay, say so what what am I like and how do I function? And so you have to have some internal dialogue. And I was dead keen on becoming a transplant cardiologist at that time. It would have been a terrible choice. I'm, I'm yeah. useless in the middle of the night. I get really grumpy when I get woken up and I can't function the next day. Uh, it would have been a disaster. I think that's what he was trying to say. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, competition between cardiologists—it's a competitive world, and that can there's an ugly side to that as well. And yeah. I've I've been exposed to that on a few occasions. I've had some nasty things happen, uh, primarily around people's business interests and stabbing people in the back. And it probably happens everywhere in yeah. in business, but it is upsetting. Um, But other than that, I think it's a good profession because it's it's varied enough and it's interesting enough and it's got enough uh, different components that it it keeps the the week-to-week stuff going well.
0: Lastly, for those medical students and junior doctors who are considering a career in cardiology, what advice would you have for them?
1: Look, it's, it's, a it's probably one of the most competitive subspecialties mm-hmm. because of the, um, the evidence base and you have to be across it. So there's a lot more academics perhaps than some in some other areas. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I mean, you just have to study hard so, and it's hard to get into. Um, secondly, I think if you want to do cardiology well, get trained in a big centre. And my boss said to me, I have to go overseas. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like I really need to. I've done two fellowships locally already. But he was absolutely right. It wasn't the... um, What I learned so much over there is how I developed as a person and I came back different. Right. And that was good advice. In what ways? He pushed me into it and I resisted, but (laughs) personal growth.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: getting outside the system that you've been in, seeing how other systems work, having to fight against a little bit of adversity... Um, those were all good things for me. Uh, so I came, back, uh, I came back with a bit better self-knowledge, a bit better, not so much medical knowledge, but systems knowledge, and a little
0: bit humbler, yeah. which was a good thing. Christian, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. For more great interviews just like this, visit our website at www.oslercommunity.com.